All right. Well, we're back with uh, another week. It's been just, just marginally less insane than last week was compared to the week before. So, well, you can't really say it's better. You can only say that it's uh, slightly less worse than it was the last time I said it was worse. I don't know. I think it can be construed as better. I think so, too. The reason why I say that, of course, is you can find us on yet another service. Oh, well, fair enough. Yeah, I have started putting up the uh, back episodes on BitChute, so check those out there. Uh, they'll be going up on Odyssey soon. I, I heard Odyssey I have, pays you well. well. They pay you. I don't know how well they pay you, but I will keep you informed. Speaking of pay, we're getting really close to that $4 mark. Big, big <laughs> yep. dollars. Big, big money. <laughs> Cash money superstars. God, you just reminded me of Smash TV. Big money, big prizes. I love it. Well, uh, you know. Now that deserves an HP remake. At the the cool parties and be like, hey, I'm really big in the Edgelord community. We've got all like 20 (laughs) subscribers. Listen, all the shit posters know where to go for their scientific knowledge. There you go. Oh, speaking of which. While we, while we do this, just don't mind me if I drop out for a moment. I need to get a book, a specifically a textbook. It has information pertinent to what we're talking about tonight. Oh, boy. All right. Well, that said, we'll uh, just kind of start where we start. There's a, there's a lot to go over, but the most pressing issue, and the one that's literally right now kind of came out today, luckily we could uh, actually miss the uh, normal air date and get a good chance to cover this as it's fresh is the Vax Pass. So uh, make sure and uh, hold out your uh, right hand, or if you prefer, they could maybe imprint it on your forehead, whichever you like. Uh, yeah, you can go ahead and get your mark. Roller, it's, uh, the, the, it's the moron roller. You put the moron lot. So you go, and, you go and get your mark so that you can do your business and all the uh, kingdoms of man and what have you. I, I just don't understand how they're planning on doing that. I really don't. That's, like, super illegal. Oh, yeah, Like, you have the right to freedom of assembly, you have the right to travel, you have the right to be, uh, you know... Well, your medical records are private. Literally nobody can turn around and verify whether... Like, I... I, You can't walk up and ask people these kinds of things. I I don't know how they're going to pull it off. Now, there's, there's certain things that are already there that have always been that way, like getting vaccinated before you go to school. That's something that's just a thing that we as a society accept, and that's probably not going to change, and that's fine. And the most important part of that is that the medical exceptions are allowed. The whole entire purpose of the vaccine, as far as herd immunity, is to keep them safe. Fine. It's all very straightforward and simple. We're not even going to go into the vagaries of how that is done dynamically. The most important point is that it is a constrained small part of society it is not the general public interactions. Where I have an issue is where they've blown up that paradigm to somehow cover fucking everything. Well, but, but hold on, too, right? There's, there's a fundamental difference. When you start talking about things like where we put in requirements for vaccines, right. that is specifically – that is not because we want to require people to take the vaccines. That's specifically because there are certain people and the higher risk likelihood – of exposing people who are literally unable to take vaccines. So right. when we start talking about hospitals and we start talking about these these uh, very young young age school kids, if you're unvaccinated, well, child shows up. 
Yeah, yes and no, right? Like, I, well, I get that yes. portion, but... The, the uh, it's team... more it's more important to protect the people who are vulnerable, but the, right. their, both objectives are kind of intrinsically tied together. I mean, I, I first off, the school doesn't really have a vested interest in whether or not your child gets sick. Only you do. So, so really, well, the only argument that you can make... Let's be careful about that one. Public schools don't give a shit. Because public schools get paid either way. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Fair their enough. teachers, as a matter of fact, get paid for not going, and they're yeah, raising like a real right stink now, about it in like some states to keep on uh, keep it on. Fair, fair enough, but the predominant argument, the, the, the legitimate argument for forcing vaccines in places like hospitals and supermarkets and all the other stuff is because you would be exposing people who literally can't get the vaccine. In this case, for sure. the COVID vaccine, this is a completely different scenario where we're essentially saying that you can't take it, not because you're exposing people who can't get it. We're saying that anybody who wants it can get it, and then all of a sudden we're going to restrict those who choose not to, not, not right. to get it. Right. And, there's, and again, we're talking about implementing this thing on something that hasn't been FDA oh, approved yet. And we should, also, we should also make an important point here. Well, it has, it has been approved through uh, EUA. Emergent, just, emergency yeah, use yeah. only, but that's a very different data set. Just, uh, just a minor detail of that is it has been approved through EUA, which is not but the same as a general approval. It's not approval. the same. It's not the same. It's meant for emergency authorizations only. And yeah. there are different requirements that come in, particularly they have longer duration studies, which are looking for uh, the, the weird minor defects that can come about as a result of the vaccine. And again, the major difference here is that with a public institution like a school, for general vaccines, like you know, all your school, you know, all your childhood vaccines, you get to make sure, you know, they, they ask you about on your forms, all the way up through undergrad and grad school, by the way. So any public university and most private universities are going to be asking you about your vaccinations too. But you probably are going to have all that stuff sorted out anyway. So the thing that they, they, they also allow is, you know, basically your, your general uh, religious exceptions as well as your physical needs exceptions. So it's not yep. just your health. That's not play there, but if you have a religious exemption because it's, you know, say, uh, what, is, what is it, Jehovah's Witnesses or, or other, no, they, they're the ones who don't like transfusions. Which, yeah. I can't remember which ones don't like vaccines. A lot of, uh, there's the uh, Christian scientists, I think uh, Seventh-day Adventists are in the same boat. Okay, Seventh-day There's, yeah, there's actually fun. a bunch of different subsects that don't support, like, yeah. drugs and, you know, internally administered. And anyway, point being that there's a religious exemption from it. That is just de facto accepted as a thing because that was already squared away before. That's probably going to be something that is going to be attempted to be crushed with this. Is another is another issue I have with it, and it comes right back to that First Amendment issue you, you cited. Well, uh, it's, it's the First the Amendment. It's the Fourth Amendment. Let alone, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, you look at just the, some of the things of privacy. You know, this very same kind of. Uh, dramatic overreach that had to be reined in by the Supreme Court. I mean, it's you, you legitimately cannot start turning around and pulling people's medical <clears throat> record or anything at any time for any reason. That's that's literally something that you can't do. And we're talking about, you know, maybe there are certain special use exemptions where you can present it for you as an individual voluntarily presenting it for whatever reasons that you need, but that's part of sure. HIPAA. Right, like there is, yeah. there are so many. They're arguing, well, hey, it's on the blockchain, and all you get to see is a QR code. But that yeah, is telling that. you part of your medical history, regardless of what happens. And again, you know, one of the well, actually, I'm not going to say again because we haven't done it again. The 
anything that we do sets a precedent. And when we start talking about COVID, as much as, as Craig and I may argue over like slight details on this thing, we can both agree that this has been a travesty, a travesty of information, a travesty of implementation. There has been no cost-benefit analysis offered. It has been an authoritarian nightmare, uh, especially in states like mine in New York. We have lost businesses. People have lost jobs. And you have an entire subsect of the political community that literally believes that the other side is evil and should be purged. And if you're going to sit there and tell me that this is going to be stopped just at this – this is only going to be implemented for this vaccine, I'm going to tell you bullshit and just wait until they come up with the next crisis where they need an app like this. Here's the other side of it is it's been so politicized that right now – and it's stupid because you're going to find people on, on any part of the political spectrum that are going to not want to take the vaccine or are heavy proponent for it, etc. Right now the predominant zeitgeist is that if you don't want to take the vaccine, you're some kind of trumper. Like, well, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, why would why well, would people not want to go out and take advantage of the Trump vaccines that Donald Trump works so hard to make available for? Kind of the funniest thing I've ever seen, but you know, it's, well, right it, now it, it's all Biden's uh, glorious responsibility. So well, I guess and, that's and where it comes in. And, and again, right? Like I, I've sat here before and I've defended my, you know, I don't want to take the vaccine. I think that the technology is amazing, and I don't think at any point I have sat there and said anything differently. My issue is safety concerns because well, you we have 20 plus again, years, like I, have decades I of research down, before we started. I shut you down on this one before, too. AstraZeneca no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You I, did I, not I, turn around and deal with You didn't, though. Right? Like I, you didn't I pointed out that there are, traditional, there are traditional options that are available. Sure. But those still haven't passed the standard safety protocols that we put in play specifically Just pointing because – that your, I, that your major hang-up about the technology is kind of moot when the no, technology no, no, you're no. more comfortable with exists. I, hold on. I, my major hang-up is not the technology. I have said, and I will reiterate – I just said it literally moments ago uh-huh. – that the technology is amazing. All of that stuff is really cool, fantastic. Pardon I am not going to take a fucking drug that has not gone through the standard safety protocols that we have established for pharmaceutical companies – because they fudge their fucking numbers all the time. They are ground zero. They are the worst-case scenario for replication crisis studies. They literally pump shit out. They end up having to retract it, and we do longitudinal studies specifically to prevent them from entering all kinds of unseen medical effects. It's not intentional. They just have a huge profit incentive to push a drug out as fast as possible, sure. and we want to really make sure well, that it's safe to I take. I would point out here that there is a, there's a bit of a frequency bias um, at play. They have a lot of these positive outcomes uh, for your drug trials and, and drugs that hit the market, etc., that are basically just flown under the radar. Every time there's a fuck-up, because it is pharmaceuticals and because people's lives are on the line here, it is a major fuck-up. Well, Biox is a perfect case study in how to fuck things up, let alone OxyContin and, uh, and the Purdue company. Well, yeah, we can kind of lay Oxys on the feet of the Sacklers a little bit more than we can Biox. Biox is a legitimate, like, old-school fuck-up corporate stuff. Major fuck-up. Again... Yeah. Again, the issue isn't necessarily 
that people are trying to screw things up. And yes, there might be some bias in that, but we have learned time and time again that short-duration studies do not supplement long-term data on the safety and health effects of these drugs. I don't give a shit. Get the word right Oh, go suck a dick. Present it doesn't... Like a bitch. I'll come down to Florida. I'm sure my wife won't mind. Yeah, after Cuomo lets you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he'll be able to get out. He just won't be able to get back in. Yeah, that's uh, – you know what? That's okay. I'll uh, I'll do secret secret raids transporting senior citizens to go see their grandkids for money. Oh, thank God. <laughs> but it, it, He's like, up there. He's just like, I'm, I'm going to be Schindler, all right? That's exactly right. For <laughs> money. list. Uh, I'm gonna be Schindler, but profitable. That's right. It's it's gotta 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 watch my margins. the The bottom line is that that we do these long term studies, and we do this. We have these requirements for safety testing specifically because there are problems that show up in long term data that yeah. isn't present in short term data. Yeah. And again, I can tell you for an absolute fact that if I have a kid. That sucker is getting vaccinated with all of your standard childhood vaccination. I am not anti-vax. I am not opposed to the technology. I am not going to take something that was pushed out the door in six months amidst a whole host of political fanfare and is being backed and pushed by the same people who six months ago were sitting there and saying, well, the world's overpopulated and we should do something about that. Well, not all to of those that are Trump vaccine, you know, who, that I have. Well, Kamala herself was saying, no, I'm, I'm not going to take a uh, vaccine made by Donald funniest fucking thing. That person right. is about as genuine as a $3 bill. I, I am Slightly absolutely less. impressed with what Trump got done. And worth one-third the cost, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so all of that is very yeah. impressive, and this may be a roadmap for the future, but I want to see the, sa- the long-term safety data, and I don't want to see something that's coming out after uh, you know two months of data and two months of studies. I want to see it in a large, a large population, and frankly, the the risk that I see from COVID so is not particularly see, high. You're basically asking to see the post-pandemic data. Essentially, yeah. Okay. Fair I, 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 and I, you know, and you're aware, and I'm not, and this is not for me to be a jerk to you, but just to make sure it's clear to everyone else, you're aware that that's a physical impossibility to get no, post, to get the post-pandemic data pre-post-pandemic. Well, not necessarily McFly. He could go hop in the DeLorean. Uh, I don't care. Your criteria for success here requires a time machine. Yeah, it's a little stringent. No. Just to, yeah, I'm not just saying this is a bad thing. I'm just saying no, you have to be honest. Not at all. If I you want a longitudinal study before the end of a transient crisis, Hold on. presumably... I, I do not consider it a crisis. I do not consider it a crisis. I do not have an issue with with taking the risk associated with COVID. And after the the after COVID is done, after we are out of the pandemic, COVID is still going to be kicking around. That is going to happen. And so if if we get to a year or two year out and we've got solid data on this thing, and I haven't had COVID yet, then I'll take the vaccine. If I get COVID, I'm not really so worried about it. Like, the vaccine's predominant effect is not having a particularly severe reaction. I'm not immunocompromised. I don't have a very high risk associated with it. Taking the vaccine doesn't change your ability to spread it or anything else. It literally is just a risk to yourself, and I'm willing to accept that risk to Uh myself. 
in order to, to, to sit there and see the safety data. It does limit your ability to spread it. You can Not still really. You can still spread it to some extent if you get vaccinated, but it does significantly limit your ability to spread it. If nothing else, then through purely mechanical. It increases viral loads substantially to the point where you're no longer symptomatic in the vast majority of cases. Or even looking at some of the other vaccines, you know, your AstraZeneca, your Johnson Johnson, Janssen back. Now, AstraZeneca, while maybe less effective at this, does roughly the same. It's the same exact <laughs> idea. I, I would personally, if, if you were to ask me where I'm going to put my money uh, after I see the data, it would be on probably Pfizer or Moderna's. I would much rather take the mRNA vaccine than the traditional vaccine after mm-hmm. I have the data. Right. No, I, I understand. Seen the data. I understand what you're saying. And if that, means, if that means that I'm taking a vaccine after the pandemic, that's okay. Because I don't consider what we're currently facing to be a, a real global health crisis. Mm-hmm. I think that it's overblown. The, the death rate is extremely low, and it's only amongst people who are immunocompromised. If I was immunocompromised or crazy well, old, not that entirely, would be a different calculus. That is a valid point. The vast it, majority. I think it's like 78%. It's, if we're it's, being I honest. think it's higher than that. It, it, last I checked, it was in the 90s for, like, you have to have a serious comorbidity associated with it for death. Well, you see, a right. serious comorbidity in the United States is obesity. Yeah, well, a seri- well, that is to say a serious comorbidity in the United States is being American. Yeah, like, right. seriously, that's that's not that's not a legitimate thing. That's They, they toss obesity on a lot of stuff that it's probably not related right. to. Right. Yeah, now, but granted, this one really you are going to have those people who are 600 pounds, and they're going to be basically crushing their lungs anyways, and all you're going to be doing is creating a problem for someone who probably, you know, is struggling to be alive on their their sole amount of lard that they eat every day. But, yeah, I mean, again, Now, I, I can actually back that up with some anecdotal evidence. We've got some friends of the family. I, they're, both, they're both big folks. Uh, I'm going to say neither one of them there. comes in lower than 300 pounds, but... Neither one of them had any real major results from a full-blown infection other than uh, the one lost a sense of smell and sense of taste, felt yep. a little fluey for a couple of days. The other lost sense of smell for uh, a week maybe, and then and then that's it. So, I mean, it, it really is kind of random. It isn't the, the deadliest thing, but a lot of the things that I think that Craig and myself really are most concerned with isn't the flu, isn't the, the basic effects of this, but are the weird sequel, the, uh, the, the, uh, like the rabies knock-on effects and the, uh, the crossing yeah, the blood so brain barrier like shit, the weird I stuff this does. know enough people that have had this that have these other things that are going on that it's not something that I'd rather, I'd like to be exposed to. I, 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 mean, I understand, like, the, the general – so here's the thing. The most important thing that people will be worried about is death. Your likelihood of dying from it is not that high. Very low. It's, you Very say low. it's very low, sure. It's multiples of it's, – it's, you know, several tens of that of – several tens of times that of the flu. But – well, I think it's not, not twice high. that of the flu. It's more I think that. It's, it's well over that. that. But, again, I'm not sure again, about that. I'm pretty sure it was pretty, not pretty that low. high. No, it's not. But your your likelihood of these sequelae is high. The, okay, death, hold on. Though, death right, is not whenever, the shittiest outcome. When we, talk about, the the second, outcome, when we talk about the secondary effects, sure. right, 
over a short duration, we're going to see that. This is a disease. It attacks healthy tissue. It takes healthy tissue and turns it into unhealthy tissue. And then your body spends a period of time and repairs the damage. So I I, I don't want to hear these, oh, my God, let's be concerned about this secondary effect of the infection because at the end of the day – I expect that. Well, like I, I don't expect, I don't expect to go out for a run and be all hunky dory after I have the flu. You know, three days after after the the last point of my temperature curve. And some diseases are going to be well. How about that? A, and some diseases are going to be better. To date, having a doubled likelihood of a heart attack. I'd say that sucks. Uh, I suppose, yeah. If you're over fifty five, that would really suck. Just but in if general, you're, a doubled likelihood of heart attack. That's if fucked. you're if you're below the age of 55, the likelihood you have a heart attack is so low that a doubling two times zero is still zero. Alright, so, anyway. But, again, we're kind of hitting a largely American audience, so it's not necessarily quite so low. I mean, so, we're talking to a modern Western audience. So, to get back to where we're going with this thing, of uh, a vaccine passport. If you're talking about domestic travel, domestic activities, domestic anything, that's stupid. Yes. It, like it's it's benefiting the entirety of our lives and existence in terms of international travel. Basically, if you're if you're from outside the U.S. and you try to get in, try getting in without any of your vaccinations. It ain't happening. And I I do agree for like in, uh, external you know country visits. That's like, that's that's, 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 that's already like. That's already a thing that's very common. You go and you get your vaccines, uh, either from heavy recommendation or requirement of the receiving country, uh, because that's a thing the receiving country is allowed to do and does do. But, and here's the kicker, you get to find out what those things are long in advance. They've already gone through all the appropriate protocols. They're they're very much well-developed, well-tested, well-approved. We rush something out the door. We put I don't know. a huge, um, excessive amount of emphasis When the on. cholera vaccine was around, that wasn't a very long-developed thing back in the, the 60s and 70s, if memory serves. And that was why we – I mean – But, I mean, from that same thing, it, we can look at the uh, the influenza from the 70s, rollout from that era, too, that had a, yeah, an entirely disastrous that, result. Sure. I mean, we had though, right? So, so what was it? It was that. It was yeah, that well, big point drug. Is you can say that in, in any decade, you can say that. No, that's not. That's, that's absolutely not any. No, that, that is a truism, and you know it. It is We've not done, a truism. Things happened then. We've done things since then. Come on. Uh, no, no, no. We have increased the 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 stringency of our safety criteria since uh. that period of time. Yeah, I'm, that I'm is saying not that, a that truism. Is literally a thing you can say at any time in the past relative to now. Absolutely not. We haven't turned around. So, so if we take a look back into say, oh, I don't know, the 1920s, right? Have we, we definitely say, 20s? Oh, we we can definitely say that our uh, so so we can definitely say that our restrictions on alcohol haven't increased since the 20s, right? Like, I, I mean, it's yeah, it's but that's, not a that's a non sequitur. That's a non sequitur. You're talking about the health standards when it comes to vaccines. I, I guess I guess the the big thing for for our audience was actually in the 70s and 80s. What kicked off a lot of this stuff that would be pre cholera vaccine or post cholera vaccine would be 
the uh, there was like two drugs. One was uh, something given for uh, heart complications, and it actually made them worse. And the second thing was a, a drug that introduced a lot of birth defects. It was an anti uh, it was an anti morning sickness pill that introduced yeah, yeah, significant yeah. birth defects. And oh, then what's the name of that drug. I, was, oh, I, I can't just remember. saw something recently about it too. Shit. But uh, it was those it was that combination. By the way, my, my grandfather actually died from that heart disease one. Oh um, damn. Yeah, that was an actual, like, it was a legitimate thing. He took it because he had, like, one heart attack, and then it destabilized, it, it like, would destabilize your actual heart rhythms and then yeah. induce heart attacks. So he had, like, oh, six wow. heart attacks before it finally it introduced It induced fibrillation. Right. Yeah. That's horrifying. So, so basically, you know, when we start talking about these safety protocols, the majority of safety protocols were implemented because of those two drugs. Oh, Jesus, that sounds they like were. a CIA assassination drug or something. No, no, it wasn't. Oh, no, that wasn't was like that. Oh. It was it, the you you start talking about things like I can't. What is that? What is was it? Mercaptain? Nope. Mercaptain. No. Mercaptain. That would be huffing farts, buddy. Uh, ha, ha, yes. No, it was something like that. I can't remember what it was, but it was it was a, an anti morning sickness drug that presented that like created huge birth defects in children. It was like a stupid high rate. And they they pass that on less stringent things, and that's one of the reasons why we have the testing period. Thalidomide, that was it. Oh yeah, yes. okay. And there was actually a couple other things back then too, and you know, there's stupid stuff that we put restrictions on as well, such as artificial sweeteners, right? That was based on you know the equivalent of well, you know, cans of soda a day. Neutral sweet would be uh, one of those things that you shouldn't have, but everybody has it. Considering it's fucking formaldehyde. Yeah, don't avoid aspartame, please. No, aspartame's not bad. No, when it breaks down your liver, it is. Yeah. Yes and no. And, I mean, and you have some to have people a lot it breaks of it. Down, some people it breaks down more readily than in others. Just, it, you still have to have a lot of it. Like, yeah, a lot of it. You still have to have a lot of it, but Again, like, I knew people who had a sufficient amount of it that they, had to, they should have been worrying about it. Like, when you get to the point where you're drinking, like, 10, 20-ounce Diet Cokes a day... I mean, one, you should be cutting back on your fluids in general. But well, I mean, like, you got to have something fun. with your, uh, you know, large fries and large cherry uh, cherry shake and, you oh, know, your chicken sandwich. So, so as, as a reference, the studies that showed ill effects on aspartame were conducted at dose rates that were exceeding roughly the equivalent of 200 cans of soda yeah. per day. If you are if you are downing 10, 20 ounce bottles of soda in a day, that is a little bit much. That would be like 200 ounces of soda versus your 480 ounces of or uh, 20, 240 ounces of. of so two or three big gulps. Excuse me, super or wait, big no, gulps. So 2,500. So so that's that's a lot. It's like 10 percent of that limit, and we usually don't have you know. Uh, you got to keep in mind and. That these that a, a rat study or a mouse study doesn't directly translate, even though it's you could get a, a general idea of it's a good correlation. Well, it's it it depends well, it's on more than a good correlation. Animal, actually, it depends on which part of the animal is, is getting hit by the drug um, and the mechanism that's happening. But it, but it's it gives you an estimate. Like if it took a lot, it might take a lot for a human. You know, but you have to study it. But, you know, the yeah, reaction well, yes, is there. But, but it was, you, know, you use a rat study or a mouse study to get an idea of what other animal model 
you need to use to get a good correlation with human studies. Or with well, the, there's, uh, there's, there's, there's more to it than that. The, the rat studies are usually actually pretty close to humans. Oddly enough, because they eat the same things we do, because they drink the same things we do, and they live in similar social colonies, that's one of the reasons we use rats, is they're well, very, very cheap again, analog to humans. Yeah, so the point is, the, again, here, what you do is you use them as the cheap starting... They're the, they're the pilot study. You figure out what system got impacted by them, by the drug or what have you, and then you pick a better, closer animal analog to that... Uh, that organ system or set of organs in a system in the human. Or uh, you go with, you know, like a modified mouse or a modified rat, which is what sure. seems to be a lot more common these days because, again, well, you know, you're working with something you, know, you already understand. Monkey models, um, so rhesus monkeys, uh, there's ferret models, pig models, you know, all kinds of different animal models um, there, that, that, there that are, represent like, different organ systems. And that's what usually what you, if you're going to do the next step in a study with animals, that's typically what you're using as step one is, is a mouse or rat to figure out what you need. But yeah, certainly on, on, a, on a dose rate basis, like, yeah, it was a ridiculous amount of aspartame that was required. In fact, if you're familiar with, um, if you're familiar at all with, uh, with speaking of prohibition, if you're familiar at all with the way that the uh, mouse studies were done, uh, or sorry, rat studies were done for, um, for Thujone, uh, with regard to absinthe, uh, it was something like, you know, multiple grams of Fujone were given to mice, or, I'm sorry, fucking that up, to rats. Uh, and they, of course, died horribly. That, but, yeah, that's, that's... And that was used to ban alcohol yeah. in the U.S. Yeah, that's... They, they, they do that all the time. And that is that is one of the problems that you have, is that you should follow on research... But when you do sit there and we start talking about uh, about something like the aspartame, it was particularly egregious because people were starting to say, hey, you shouldn't drink diet soda, which most people don't have a habit that's 10% of this dose rate. <laughs> I uh, know, this guy was in high school. He's a skinny motherfucker, too, because you might imagine with all that caffeine in him. Yeah. But <laughs> he like, would drink like 10 of these a day. He'd have like three or four of them during lunch with us. It's like, holy shit, dude! You need to stop drinking that crap. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I have, uh, I have, a, I have a diet soda habit too. <laughs> well, like I just, like I said, it's. I think like just cutting down on his fluids in general would have been a smart idea. That that might be true. Like, I think I I can do like a two liter bottle in a day. Well, artificial fluids. For I mean, me. drinking that much water would be ter- perfectly fine. Well, you should. The thing is, you should be matching that much with water. Oh, yeah, if, you're, yeah, if you really are drinking a lot of soda and this uh, message somehow reaches you, drink at least as much water. You've got to get that shit back out of you, after all. I don't know. I like it. If you're drinking caffeine, it's a diuretic. You're already dehydrating yourself. This, this, well, yeah, not at the, the dose rates they have in soda, though. Well, now, if, you chug, what you're if you chug energy drinks nonstop... I mean, yeah, there's people that drink monsters like sodas. The only reason I, I know about this is because I had to become a, a pseudo-nephrologist because I have kidney issues. So, for a healthy person, you should be consuming water to replace volume so you don't have a, an issue. Because people will run into kidney stones, and those are not fun, apparently. No, I got a, I got a buddy of mine. I got to figure out what's going on with him. I'll probably sit down. Like and a, general, a normal person out there is going to drink water when they need it. So, you know, like, you should try to drink more water, but 
you're probably drinking water. But there are people out there who just get sidetracked or don't think about it, etc. And they get to the point where they give themselves a kidney stone, and then they have a fantastic time with that. And yeah, it's entirely and avoidable. Kind of like scurvy today, you know. Just yeah, it's completely thing. avoidable. That's the fourth part about it. I, you know, I haven't had a good case of scurvy in a while. That's got to be the funniest part in the doctor's office. N- not for the uh, for either person, but you know, for the fly on the wall is the, the person sitting there realizing I could have completely avoided this, and this is horrific. Oh yeah, for yeah for a, like for so long. So long, you could do just just the tiniest things, and then it'd be a complete non-issue. But yeah, that that people get scurvy today anywhere <laughs> other than you know on an oil rig. I mean, is, I uh, I will really say that else. there's there are certain things that like depending on your diet, you might need to supplement with. So yeah. because because I do have a family history with heart disease issues, namely, like I said, my grandfather. Um, got terrified when I was running because I'd get cramps in my chest yeah. and what it, it it's not that I was actually having a heart attack or anything like that. Well, it turns out pericardial uh, inflammation, right? What no, not at all. It's, no. it's just low potassium. You get cramps if you have low potassium. So, so buddy of mine Yeah. Buddy of mine was uh was doing football tryouts with me in high school and he um uh he he ended up having a pause, and because he was breathing hard and his chest hurt like hell, he had uh, he'd been working his ass so hard that he actually pissed off his uh, his heart lining. Really? Oh yeah. wow. What you can do if you if so if you're breathing hard enough and fast enough and your heart's beating fast enough, you can irritate the lining. There, it's actually not that hard to do, and it does go away relatively quickly. But like for a minute there, you will feel like you have a heart attack. It's <laughs> the, that sounds the, a little horrifying. Yeah, like the the uh, the the, um, the trainer was sitting there, like trying to calm his ass down. Just like, no, you're all right. Get through this. Yeah, it's. Uh, in any case, that that was it, you, your diet can absolutely impact that. So I was actually doing keto at the time. Uh, that it still fun. happens. Oddly enough, I actually I, I really like keto. It's a good it's a good solid diet. It's also if you do things kind of right, like uh, intermittent fasting is probably better. In intermittent fasting is intermittent fasting is what I do great now. for humans. Just, just like just skipping kind of a lunch, like skipping a lunch or a dinner is good, is is the kind of intermittent fasting. You, like you don't even need to do a whole lot extra there. Just forget a meal every once in a while. Yeah. I I typically that's probably closer to what I do right now. Even though yeah. I try to stick to keto because I just I honestly carbs and I don't get along so well. Which is fine. That's the way it is for some people. Yep. It is it is amazing how shitty I feel. Like I love my I love my booze, I love my bread, I love I love I love eating all that stuff. It's fantastic. But if I eat like if I eat like a cookie or two, it will make me feel like shit. And so I lived I lived feeling like shit for a really, really, really long time and then all of a sudden I basically switched over to pretty much yeah. protein and fat. And it was like, I had, yeah, I, I mean, I only need to, I, you know, I, I was, I was always tired, yeah. uh, but now it's, you know, I'm back to like six hours of sleep a night and no big deal. It's crazy because like I'm, I'm the opposite on carbs. I burn them like crazy. 
I... That's bad, though. What happens with me is if I don't have enough fat in my diet, I feel like crap. So it is. That's something people don't realize is you do need fat in your diet. Oh, yeah, you absolutely like, do. Yeah, that whole era of low fat was probably was one of the worst things that happened in human diets in American history. You need it in moderation, and you need to work out in order to get rid of it, but you do need it going in. Well, I mean, the, the bottom line is that if you actually look at it, if you put fat... The, the human brain is designed to consume calories, and yeah. you can get your calories in a variety of... It, 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 yeah, it, you're, it is designed to find calories and eat them. And so if you turn around and you start eating things like processed sugar, your brain loves it, yeah. but it's never truly satisfied. It oh, doesn't and for know. me, it's complex carbs. I can't – like if I sit there and eat a pound of sugar or whatever, I'm already hypoglycemic. That's just a fucking terrible day for me. That would be a bad day. Like grains and stuff, I need to, I need to hammer that. Hmm. I got got to pound grains. Otherwise, I just I run out of energy. Cook right through it. No, thankfully I don't have either of those specific issues. <laughs> I just have a bunch of weird food allergies, so, you know. That sucks. It is what it is. I've learned a little bit, and I can eat perfectly well. The soy one is a little annoying because it is in That's fucking hilarious. everything. You know what? You know what that means? That means Evan here is such a chad he can't have soy. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. One thousand percent opposite. We may we may joke, but soy is actually really bad for you. Like, oh yeah, there's some new studies that have come out even on that. Yeah, it is it is not good stuff. Like especially especially if you are a male, it is a bad idea to have soy. Yeah. Basically, yeah. if you are a male and not at least sixty percent Asiatic in your uh, genetics, just kind of don't. Oh, yeah. so uh, actually a, a point to bring out on that. So one of the things I end up taking uh, routinely is phosphatidylcholine. And I thought you were going to say a soy latte. Well, the, 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 there's a point you made here. Um, it's based on lecithin, and unfortunately most lecithin in the market comes from soy. But it comes from plenty of other well, actually plant and animal sources. Um, so the other common one, which is not has basically zero of the problems you find with soy, is sunflower. And you're seeing so, that a lot more. So if you, if I you, have if to be you, so specific with uh, my food searches, I can honestly yeah. say that is actually showing up a lot in places. It, I mean, it's it's kind of being picked up a lot more. Like lecithin in general is used a lot with uh, with like you're making pizza doughs or you're making bread. Yeah, it's being it's replacing the soy lecithin as. Uh, yeah. The emulsifier of, uh, well, not of choice, because soy is cheap, cheap, cheap. And yeah, but sunflower certainly is, is picking up um, in your, your higher quality breads. Uh, so that's that's one you can look for, and you might even, you know, if you have a bakery that you like going to, you might even suggest that um, as another type of ingredient that they can put in there. Say, tell them you have a, well, in your case, Evan, you definitely do, but, like, tell them you've got a soy allergy or something. And uh, see if they'll add that in as, into their ingredients queue, and maybe but, use you that. Know, all you know, you just just gotta say that I'm allergic to being a pussy, and there you go. Yeah, Good well, that go. doesn't really go over so well when it comes to the blue-haired person behind the counter. I mean, you know, it's it's all even though they might secretly want to screw you. <laughs> there is an odd correlation with the uh, with uh, the boyfriends and hookups of these sites. I'll tell you that. Uh, but, those those posts you find where they're just like, 
I hate uh, their politics, but I want to screw them so badly. <laughs> well, you know, oh God, it, nobody would want to return the favor. The the thing that's funny with psychology is uh, it, it, evolutionary psychology takes a lot of shit from psychology, oh, yeah. and, and there's some there's some bullshit and some good reasons for that. But one of the things that cu- comes up is, and this is this is what I believe is biological determinism. We are pre-programmed to do whatever we're going to do pretty much from the onset, and part of that is is every aspect of our behavior, and that programming comes from years and years of evolution. Now we might be able to. Be, psych, by the way. We we might be we might be able to sit there and modify our skill set, but we'll never be able to really overcome our behaviors. Some of those behaviors are pro-social behaviors, and they generally reward us for being pro-social behaviors. And we've built our society around these pro-social behaviors. Others are not. But when it comes to mate selection and and even just your daily routine. It is a real shame that we spend so much effort in society attempting to suppress our baser instincts. Now, it, you should never sit there and compromise another individual for your benefit. That's that's not that would be an antisocial behavior. But or that be making a really good business decision. It depends on how you look at it. Uh, I, actually, I would even say that most business, most of the time it's not a good business decision. Right, really? like giving it, someone something they want when they're sitting there saying I'm willing to pay for it. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's separately. But you know what we what we see what we see when we start talking about the the folks who are making these arguments for like social justice and whatnot is they are fundamentally arguing against human nature, right? And and we turn around and they, they try to they try to do these lofty goals, but uh, if you actually start talking about things like human sexuality, that was one of the biggest problems that Christianity had early on. You can read about it in the Confessions of Saint Augustine. Is the nearly everybody else was all big pro sexuality, and uh, like the Jews were pro sexuality, the uh, the pagans were yeah. pro sexuality, and then the Christians came along and decided that they were anti sexuality, and uh, what ended up happening as a result of that was they they did it because they were rising above their animal instincts. That was that was the claim. Yeah, so they speak. tried to do that. They tried to do that. It blew up in their faces, and they like spread rampant amounts of disease, and like it was all prostitution. Yep. This and and then they said, "Hey, let's figure out how to do abortions," and then that didn't work out work out so well either. Yep. So I mean, like we can't we can't fight our nature, and that's not to say that you can't be a better person. It's just oh, to say that you I can't point fight out, your nature. That was like 16th century abortions, not modern. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, the the idea of falling down the stairs, that kind of shit. And also making sure you had your humors properly adjusted, which meant exsanguinating you with leeches. Well, I mean, that's that's less Christianity and more like early medicine. Evil crazy, yes. I I mean, and, and it's kind of a shame, too, because I was actually reading an interesting article. It turns out that as much as we we disregard, I'm looking at my 3D print and it's really bothering me because there's like this excess line of material. So like, does it just sit there and start extruding like a line around the base of the object just to like get yeah. stuff through the nozzle? Yes, that's normal. Yeah. Okay, all right. Cause it looks so. so here's the thing: if you that is always going to be there, if you add a skirt, it will fill in the gap between that and the base of the part. And then a raft is when it puts a little support frame that it constructs all over the entire skirt area 
that builds up a little bit from the base before it starts actually printing the part. Alright. So that's always going to be there, and that's exactly what it's for. Got it. I've got a little bit. Looks like some of these things are going to need to be cleaned up. I might be running my extruder a little bit too hot. But. <laughs> Is it bubbling? No, it's not bubbling. I just. It's very stringy. <laughs> so this, there's a couple points where. I mean, that could just be dust coming in on the filament. Oh, what you'll want to do for that is print out one of the um, temperature test units, and you'll be able to uh, actually see how that works out. I've yeah, do do both. That'll do. That'll uh, help you figure it out. There's little arches in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't I, know. The, you know, the boat is, is such it a looks classic. Like, it looks like it sorted yeah. itself out once it got like or or make fully a calibration cubes. If you uh, if you print calibration cubes, that'll help you with a quick print. That'll give you an idea about your dimensional stability, which is partly related to the temperature because of sag and stuff like that. I think I think it's actually doing okay now. I just think it was, a, a, for whatever reason, some of the initial filament that it was extruding was a little bit wonky. But everything else seems to be doing doing okay. Could also be a little bit of a, an odd space in the bed, but I don't think so. Yeah, well, that's also... That's this the thing. to get into, get into my test prints. Keep trying to assemble the thing in one or two things stops me, so... Okay. Well, my uh, my goal right now is just to get my damn blower part made, because I yeah. think I threw that out, because oh. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> like I said, slowest the slowest print you can tolerate um, to get the best dimensional stability, lowest temperature that you can, you can work with, that'll give you decent fusion. Uh, then when you do your second iteration, you can step it up a little bit so that you'll get better... Um, uh, better re-entanglement across the weld line, just for a little bit of added support, but you also want to print with full infill, so that's a solid part. Uh, well, don't worry about it impacting the way that the thing moves around. You're talking about a, a few grams of plastic hanging on the end of it. I uh, The first one that I'm doing is going to be this this print, and then the uh, the second one, so once I have that on there, and I have yeah. some level of blowership on there, I'll go back through and do another one. Uh, yeah. That'll be like the second print I do is going to be the same thing I did the first time. It's just going to be like with it actually working the way it's supposed to. Right. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, so where were we? Oh, yeah, we were talking about medieval medicine. Um, so there was actually something interesting uh, with, with some of the stuff. We, we like to think of this as the Dark Ages, but it, it, surprisingly they actually had a lot of interesting legitimate well, They had a lot medicine. of stuff right. Well, I mean, the Egyptians had functional brain surgery that people didn't die from all the time. Well, yeah, but then again, fucking uh, Neanderthal age people had that shit, too. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what the name of it was. I think it started with an R, but, like, basically they they cut a piece of the skull out, and, uh, and they, you know, you can find, they, they found um, tri whole tribes of these people that had these ritually cut out pieces of their skull. I mean, that's not... I, I suppose you could say that isn't technically brain surgery so much as it's skull surgery, but... I, I um, mean, still, the majority of the... Yeah. You're not going to get an infection from using crude stone tools. No, but, I mean, there's right. there's other things there. Uh, so, for like instance... brain infection, more importantly, because holy shit. There yeah. was, uh, there was a, a very impressive... Uh, some Somebody actually went through and started... They, they found some doctor's notes for, like, various ointments and some of the other stuff. And they actually had medicinal properties if they were brewed to their original standard. Oh, right? certainly. And that, that was, they were basically introducing things like antibiotics without having the actual modern antibiotics. Right. 
There's the it's interesting about that. It's, it is impressive. But more importantly, when you come and look at these things today, not only do some of these kind of these remedies still work, obviously, they aren't going to have lost whatever potency they had because of time and if you're going to prepare it today, but the vast majority of these kinds of things, and I say vast majority meaning definitely not all, most of them have been explored, and because they have been explored and they've been appropriately refined and standardized and used as treatments, they're just called medicine. And the majority of alternative medicine in that regard, and I'll say this, the majority of alternative medicine purporting to be medicine in this regard uh, is alternative because it failed the test of being medicine. Well, there's some things. There's some stuff where we Again, go back through the notes a big they're, gray they're area discovering. In. Yeah. Well, a lot well, of that, too, is just that the studies haven't been done as well. Yeah, this is why I say, like, the vast majority, meaning definitely not all. There's stuff that right. still exists in, in folk medicine and what have you that just hasn't been looked at yet. Well, and, and that was what they were doing is they were going through actual physician notes from the medieval, mi yeah. uh, you know, dark ages as we consider it. And like, what were they doing? And we all kind of, we always kind of dismiss it as quackery because, let's be honest, the most well, of their rationale is all bullshit. But the actual it, practice comes, as comes right. out of uh, out of trial and error in a pseudo scientific sense. You know, they can post hoc rationalize to their heart's content, but the fact that the person didn't die is kind of a good indicator that they're not dead. Right, and that's that's the uh, we we laugh at things like you know slitting somebody's wrists and collecting. Well, it's, it's kind of a it's it's kind of a, a a morbid a morbid laugh you know it since there's nothing you can do about about it now because you know they died thousands of years ago or hundreds of years ago uh, you know depending on which which people you're looking at you know in that in that sense it's hilarious how backwards it is and the most funny part is that they survived yep I mean. It is one of those those nature's mysteries things where you're just like, wow, how the fuck did we not kill ourselves? Humans are a particularly resilient species. Well, in about a thousand years, or even, probably even a hundred years at this rate, uh, we're gonna look back and go, why the hell did we? How the hell did we avoid bombing the shit out of ourselves? Yeah, I mean, there's a. There's well, a lot of chances we've had to destroy ourselves over the very recent past, and we have managed to avoid it, but. Uh, I tell you what, there are some people that seem to keep wanting to push those same goddamn buttons all the time. Yeah, every, every crisis that comes about, or almost comes about, it is exasperating. Oh, speaking of exasperating, uh, this one, uh, this one goes out to you. See, uh, have you have you heard that uh, we got? And as another lucky chance of not being able to record last night, we get a lucky number nine for Cuomo. I mean, he's better. <laughs> oh, a with busy Gloria guy. Allred today, yes. No. Oh, what? that wasn't it? You know what, I wouldn't be surprised, but no, this one apparently oh, has I photographs love, of the alleged thing. I'd love to see that. About the kissing. Yeah, another grabbed her face and kissed her kind of yeah. How is that appropriate? Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I, I saw that uh, on Twitter, and I started laughing. Just like I just remember her from Rat Race being the horrible person she is in Cameo. 
I mean, she's she's always a pretty terrible person. I don't know. You know what? Her and her daughter. Her daughter I, is following in footsteps. It's disgusting. I, again, I I stand very firmly with. You gotta give Cuomo a lot of credit that he hasn't backed down. Unlike all the Republicans and the rest of the Democrats, he's like, whatever, fuck you. And I love well, he it. Knows exactly I love the game it. Being played. He does. He does know the game is being the played. Fucking instigates it half the time. Well, no, I mean, I don't think that he's the one who instigates it half the time, but I suspect that it has been. Last been... year, I would say he more than half the time instigated that shit. I suspect. Oh, we're doing the, great uh... with the we're doing great with the ventilators. By the way, Trump suck a dick. Oh, also, we need help. By the way, fuck your ship. I I suspect that what we're really that. seeing is kind of confirmation that the that the whole entire like me too thing is just being used by democrats as a weapon and the thing oh, is shit. i'm guessing they briefed major members of their party to it and so he's just like whatever i'm just going to weather the storm because what they can't get rid of him they can't get rid of him for this stuff because it's all like he said she said a and then b you'd have to actually go through the legal process to remove him well, and like all the time is, is, all of I these the assholes that came out had uh, had documentation though even if they do they still have to go through the legal process to remove right. him part okay, of the problem that we've had up until this point is that basically everybody acts like a giant fucking pussy and uh, you know they they, they cave they cave whether they're democrats or republicans they they sit there and they grasp their friggin' pearls and they cry out to the night that, oh my god, how unfair of this, such a terrible thing must never have happened, and he's just like, yeah, whatever, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> and that's fantastic. I actually respect the man more as, like, the Me Too shit doesn't bother me. The fact that he is weathering the storm is fantastic, because A, it means that we are coming to the end of the Me Too era. Uh oh Right? That's what it means. Yeah, don't necessarily like, take issue with that, if I'm being totally yeah, honest. I think you might have to have an intervention here. It sounds like he's one of these, uh, one of these Fifty Shades of Grey, fifty-year-old lesbians waiting for waiting for Cuomo to come in and and uh, and turn them away from their deviancy. No, 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 no. I I would love to see him get ousted <laughs> for his actual decisions, but I think the upside of Cuomo doing what Cuomo is doing, if Cuomo resigns. The Me Too error, era, let's call it an error. The Me Too error continues on indefinitely. If well, Cuomo did mean, not resign, it's the same shit with a different name as every other time. Uh, you know what? I am okay with them sitting there and coming to the conclusion that that weapon is dull and that they can't move forward with it. I think that's better than sitting there and ramming this stuff down our throat. Well, the thing is, it's not going to stop even if this does uh, fall apart because they're just going to keep using it as a weapon, and they're just uh, they won't be able to use it against him. I mean, if we're being completely honest. Here. Well, Cuomo is uh, undoubtedly at some point here going to try and make his his case for being presidential material. Uh, I don't think so. I think that's over. Yeah, after, no, that's done. The, no, the party. No, COVID, we, I think he's still probably he's still probably going to try and push it. He might not get it. Yeah, and he no. might do it. He might do it vicariously. He might have someone push his name in the ring during a convention. But I bet you it's still going to happen. 
I don't know. I think that's. I think that ship has sailed. I think, and he might yeah, even I, be the one. I gotta be honest. Yet. I really think it's a bridge uh, too far, considering uh, everybody in the party has disowned the man. He's not that stupid. I mean, he can't you know, be and, that and, stupid. And 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 let's be very clear. There's a huge difference between Democrats and Republicans. In that, uh, and I'm not saying that they're they're not the Uniparty. I'm not saying that I love Republicans because I don't. I hate them just as well. Oh, I hate me, them I'm for glad you're an independent person. I I hate them for different reasons than I hate the Democrats. But the Democrats, uh, yeah, incompetence, pussiness, pick pick mm-hmm. pick a verb. Like they're they're spineless idiots is really what it comes down to. So the Democrats are like. I don't want to. I don't want to call them smart, but they um, they know how to control dumb people. Is really what the Democrats are. That's what the their, their party is: is controlling dumb people, right? The Republicans, on the other hand, are literal spineless weasels who don't know what the fuck they're doing and can't manage to get their shit in a row when they actually like. Somebody sat there and told me the Republican Party is just really great at snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. And, and there's no better example of that than them coming into power as they did, which was a much larger majority in both the House and the Senate uh, in 2016. And they had that for two years, and they did, like, nothing. Meanwhile, the Democrats are attempting to reshape the entire country in the first three months that they have a barely a 50% majority in either. Right? So, like, the, the Republicans snatched uh, – defeat from the jaws of victory on a regular basis, and they're, they, they should be shamed for that. Well, but, you got these America last rhinos that are kind of just pushing that whole party line and saying that we've got to aid our allies and do all of this and help out everybody else and make sure that we've got all those poppies, you know, they've got to be watched after I, by our best boys over there in uh, Afghanistan I, I so, suspect that the, so that the Sacklers can have a regular source of... Uh, uh, poppy opium to turn into a uh, you know product for the American citizens that are in such desperate need. I suspect it probably has more to do with the fact that the Democrats largely appeal to collectivists and Republicans appeal to individualists, and the individualists are not willing to sit there and put their name on something that they don't 100% agree on or that might blow up in their face. Like any if there if there's any risk at all in what they're trying to pass, they won't do it. And they don't want anything to possibly hurt their stuff, whereas the Democrats, they don't care because they know that each district that they're in is going to vote blue no matter who. Oh, yeah. I mean, not to mention, they've got all those graveyard votes. That phrase tells you everything you need to know about the mentality of the person using it, doesn't it? Right. It really does. It really does. And and that's... I'm a lemming, and I'm proud of that. Okay. Well, I mean, it's... God damn, this is really amazing watching the 3D printer actually work. They are Kinda really cool. freaking cool technology. I I will uh, get old quick when you try to get some sleep. Now, now I, 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 I want to toss out well. that you two assholes were full of shit when you said that it would come up in a day of effort. Yeah, <laughs> well, well, you weren't supposed to have broken parts. parts. It's not my fault they were broken. It's a not day my fault they were broken. I broke them. I didn't break them. It to be broken. I can't yeah, believe it. sounds to me like it's more of a you problem. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I, I, mean, I couldn't fair believe enough, when but, I sat you know. there and I took that set screw out of the <clears> aluminum 
aluminum block, and then the <laughs> that strip that screw is insane, man. I I sat there like I was like, okay, why is this thing not turning? And then I finally got it to turn to the left. And as I turn it, like this little strip of material comes out as it's turning. I'm like, oh please, please say that they put thread sealant in there. Please say that's how it fucked up. And then it's like clearly a chunk of metal. I'm like, all right, all right, maybe I can put it back in the hole and there's nothing that's gonna be wrong. And I get it all the way in, and it, like it won't tighten. And I'm like, all right, let's see if I can actually pull it out just with pliers. I pull it out and it just like falls out. I was like, ah, oh, yeah. I can't believe they cross threaded the set screw in the aluminum block. Oh man. Called the threads right out, didn't I? They did. Gah. Well, oh, I guess man. that's one benefit of mine being completely disassembled to every small component. I I was able to inspect it entirely as it went together. Well, so was mine. But I had, I wasn't I wasn't inspecting the the set screw on the the, the heating block there. Well, my that set screw wasn't installed on mine's. All I'm gonna say. Not when it oh, came. Oh, yours to wasn't. Me. Well, you see, either it got shipped to you with the set screw in it, which is what the original story was, or you got all your parts shipped to you separately and you installed the set screw wrong. No, no, I, I got it in a in a kit. Yeah. Okay. So the the entire the entire heat block assembly, I I did not put that together. Right. That's what I thought. That, no, that I, includes I the Teflon throated tube, oh, the right. the little metal thing, the nozzle. Like I had no idea what that heat block looked like taken apart. So I just saw it as a thing of wires going in there, and so I've been trying to shop online, not exactly knowing what I was looking at, because I hadn't bothered to take it apart. Yeah. But, yeah, it's actually going. Yeah, I will say this. Having having had to uh, get so intimately familiar with the thing, I know quite a lot more about 3D printers than I would had I just, you know, gone out and bought one. Right. Yeah, and I, I will say that for, for whoever's listening, that if you want to try 3D printing, I will definitely recommend getting a RepRap kit and just yeah. going from scratch. It's so, it's worth it for the learning experience. And uh, if, you're not gonna them, if, if you aren't going to make several of them, or you're not going to work with them ever uh, beyond doing the, just the, the hobbyist stuff at home, definitely get yourself one of the, um, one of the kits to, to build it yourself. If you're doing this stuff professionally or in any kind of academic capacity, just buy the completed printer because it'll save you a bunch of time and you can get to the work that you actually mean to do. Yep. Yeah. Well, I guess you could say, unless you're wanting to do this as um, one of these RepRap printers could actually make a really cool class project, I would say, at middle school, high school level. Sure. If you're you know, like, I, talking about, like, in, from the research end because – you know, it's like I've part of my group is in 3D printing, and I've worked with other groups in 3D printing. Uh, some of the stuff I worked with is uh, is gone on to be involved with 3D printing, and uh, doing it yourself the once is great. But when you're working with these things all the time, and you already kind of know the ins and outs of them because of what you need to do for your research, just getting you know, the completed unit is so much faster. Yeah, I, I'm I not even going into the amount of time that I've got put into building this machine. After the first one, once you get your second one, you just get the thing pre-built, and then you'll know all the different parts from your first, your prior experience. You can easily fix things. It's just, it's so much easier if it just comes to you ready to go, more I, or less I ready to go. I can see that. that, but, you know, how did you build the one down in your sex dungeon there that prints your, prints your girlfriend for you? Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, 
realistically, you just have to go in to edit the file that sits there and changes the dimensions, and you could build any something that's any size. And you'd need, like, the... the, the that's the other thing is, once you've kind of figured out the general uh, scope of things, what you, should, what you can do is get yourself some aluminum extrusion and uh, use that as your, your frame basis. You really you can. can. Yeah, well, so that's, that's why, why I did the... Um, I did the work with NASA. That was what they did there was based on was like aluminum extrusion. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm so very it's, it's a very simple machine once it gets going. Like it sounds really cool, but it's really simple. Yeah. Well and there's all kinds of ways to complicate it just by make, trying to make it actually do its job better. Even uh, I mean that's better. that's true for almost anything though. Yeah. As a matter I of just, fact, uh, I will uh, I'll throw a link into the show links for everybody for a really nice printer that's going to come either assembled or as its own kit. They haven't uh, they haven't got a release date as of yet, but these are the guys that made the printer that I've got. As a matter of fact, I'll throw the link for you guys too, so you can check it oh, out. I should actually, I, let's see if I can find the one that I've got on hand. The, my my current workhorse. Uh, but it's a maker tech is what I've got, mm -hmm. just on the edge of getting it together. But this new one's actually, uh, it's got its own box, so it's its own enclosure, it's got a switching head, and it can do some pretty intricate stuff. So, you know, if you're not in a rush and you want to get something that uh, could be good for engineering or art applications, this one might be up your alley. Yeah. So I can also recommend uh, a Lulzbot. Um, those are... Those are good uh, printers, just generally speaking. Um, most printer bot printers are also good. Um, this is similar to the one I've got. Maybe you know, I I think if I was to do it in the future, I would probably try to build one solely myself out of RepRap parts now that i got one going. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I may end up doing with my next one, just build something big and... Just okay, so could you, could you imagine building like a room size 3D printer? Oh, that would be so cool. So, so I actually that saw would be the like so cool. So here's the thing: if, uh, if you ever have a chance, go to ORNL um, and check out the BAM printer. Is oh, that that's the one right. That there was one that was actually reactors? just recently. No, that's the one that uh, prints. That's the one that prints the fucking Humvees. Oh wow. Yeah, I, I I have to go I, see that one in person. That was cool. Oh, that's but like dope. I mean, if if I had if I had the the space for it, I would absolutely do like a room size printer, and it wouldn't it, be that hard to do. Got, it's got a fucking single screw extruder mounted onto the arm of it. It can do two different materials at once. It's nuts, and it like, it does a six millimeter extrusion filament. I could totally see that if you like if you had a barn space or something like that. Where you could just sit there and build something into the, the pylons and just start printing whatever you wanted. A vehicle would not be that hard. Uh, especially if you're, well, as long as your vehicle is plastic. But actually, you probably could pull it off if you did aluminum or something like that. Like, aluminum's pretty low low melting point. Yeah, we're, so, we're um, just about there, as a matter of fact. Um, I was just telling Evan about this yesterday with uh, the hot end I had designed for a research project. Um, the upper end of it was uh, was purposely to allow for the printing of uh, certain alloys. Um, 
and the material, the only the only reason we had an upper bound on the temperature that was being um, supplied was because the material of the, the hot end was going to be an aircraft grade aluminum, uh, a titanium aluminum alloy, and the melting point of that was 760C-ish, and so mm. we capped it off at 700 because just with the stresses involved, it was still so far below yield with the kind of um, the kind of force we're going to be loading in with the motor. That if, if so, and the, the final project when it was constructed uh, ended up having a maximum um, a maximum temperature in in code a hard limit of 500, but it could have gone to 700. I mean, I I, I can see how That's the now, field of print now the question is the question is when they do gun buybacks, how much can I print out? Uh, well, well, what you do is go with exponential increases. All you have to do is get yourself some of those NEMA steppers and a couple boards and uh, and some hot ends, unless you have an SLS, in which case you can print hot ends too. Um, and just go ahead and give yourself a fuck ton of printers for the first few days. Well, see, and, that, uh, and, what then, I would, and then go ahead and print out all your guns. What I would do is I would print out enough to, to buy me the materials that I need. Because, mm -hmm. you know, it's not going to be like a one-day event, right? So you buy oh, no, it, it'll absolutely be a one-day event when you show up like that. <laughs> no, I can guarantee. Actually, something oh. like that just recently happened, could, and a guy... Could uh, you imagine? Yeah, 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 the, the one in Florida where he, the guy showed up with the fucking piece of wood. Yeah, so there's this thing. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll just share it with all our listeners uh, because just an audio description is actually adequate for you to understand the, the gunsmithing involved in this and make your own. So uh, here's, here's your lesson for the day. It's called a Four Winds Shotgun. You get a uh, piece of 2x4, uh, roughly the length of a stock. It doesn't even have to be comfortable. You get a uh, set of half-inch. Is it half-inch? No. Um, well, whatever 12-gauge fits in. I can't remember offhand. 12-gauge pipe, and then a cap at one end. You put it in the one end and into the cap. There's a oh, little yeah, hole you drill in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You drill a little hole into the uh, cap on the other end that slides over the other side of the pipe. You put a little bit of uh, a nail in there, cut it to the right length, <laughs> bada-bang, bada-boom. It works. Yeah, fire as simple as that. Yeah. And you've now made yourself a completely a functional firing 12-gauge. Uh, you can make these on the span of uh, a few dollars a pop. Yeah, and, so it uh, sounds like if you get yourself, uh, get yourself about 20 or 30 dollars worth of parts, you've got two or three guns. Oh, yeah, at and least. Maybe even a little bit more in a couple of the leftover well, with parts. The way, the way different things have been going at hardware stores, just if you go and look at the different at the cost of wood right now, it's gone oh up. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay. Fair it's point there. stupid expensive. Yeah. I have to put down. I have to put down subfloors in my bathroom, and that's going to be like a hundred bucks. Damn. Just for two sheets. Two sheets of plywood. Right. Oh man. Yeah, plywood's gone up for no. I mean, well, we know what the reason is, but like for no apparent reason. It's for no good reason, we can say. No good reason is definitely a good way to put it, yeah. Well, I mean, the the upside is, again, and this is what we talked about months ago, is that you should be buying hard assets, things like yeah. land, things like property. If you go through and you listen to us months ago, then when this inevitably implodes, and it will implode, and it will implode in a spectacular fashion, you'll be yeah. okay. Well, a good, a good thing to have as an asset is a... It's a large stockpile of filament and some three printers. Well, it's it, 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 tradable for all the cash in the world. 
So, so how much did that guy make by bringing in his wooden? wooden he made like two hundred bucks. No, no, he brought in three at two fifty a pop. That was yeah. He made yeah. It's like he made two hundred bucks on him. No, he made seven hundred. Oh no, not even that. He probably made like two forty each on the two fifty of them. Fair enough. Okay, yeah. So yeah, can the you, guy uh, walked out there link, with. Can you link? The uh, the the link to that it was, it was, it was, um, it was in the armpit of Florida uh, or near I, the Panhandle. All right, hold on. Everything in Florida is part of the armpit of Florida. No, a lot of it's part of the Wang. <laughs> okay, let's see here. I've got it from Pensacola. I think. Oh, oh yeah, yeah they, they were labeled 1776, 1776 boomsticks. I found the Reddit thread on it. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love. Look the I'll, uh, I'll link you guys to the Reddit thread, and I'll uh, throw it in the link for everybody else because this is just look a like fun read. Cop's face on the far side of the tent. Look at his face and look at the utter defeat in it. Yeah, it is not <laughs> the, the face of a man that is happy impressed. at all. Uh, this is this is gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a pipe. <laughs> Yeah. The best like the best part is like, all right, prove it, and then it works, and like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> and then the guys outside of there that were uh, doing a real buyback, they've got a sign that says, uh, "See me to get fair market value for your firearm," and they ended up buying like two or three guns off of people that were coming in to do the buyback. Yeah. So like supposedly the purported uh, secondary or 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 uh, or primary, depending on who you're talking to, goal of this thing was. To get stuff out of the pawn shops, you know, and, and into custody, which is fucking wow. retarded. Why not just go buy them? This is this is great. The gun club showed up to counter offer by paying actual market for guns, and then <laughs> all they were able to sell was BB guns and the uh, 1776 pipe guns. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, freedom that is a wonderful the, thing. Uh, there. Oh my god, he's got three of them in that case. This is great. Yeah, they uh, they apparently ran out of money inside of 30 minutes because uh, because of all this. <clears throat> Which, just bravo. Bravo, noble patriot. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm gonna, I, I'm honestly like, I, I, once I get everything <clears throat> like once I get the upgrades done, so, so the printer that I have has a lot of safety questionable choices. Yeah. Uh, so one of them is the firmware, which you have to – you should upgrade the firmware from the stock to, like, uh, was it Marlin 1.19 at a minimum just so oh, that you have depends. have it fail if there's if the thing overheats. Like, so it, it depends on which kind of – on which printer you get. If you get the pre-assembled ones, you're probably going to be good with the firmware they have for a good long time. Oh, but nobody – that's fun. I'm just, I'm just saying. And they, they cost, what? like – Three times as much. Once you get through all the fun of making one yourself, like sometimes it's worth the uh, the extra cost. Like because you're talking about the, it like, depends look, on you your needs get, and the amount of time you're willing to throw at ones on Amazon for like a uh, hundred or like a hundred dollars, hundred fifty dollars. I mean, I see Ender threes come up all the time for one fifty. Yeah, Ender threes, and that's a, and that's not even garbage. It's actually completely okay. Well, I have a I have a mono price. Um, which is a ripoff of a ripoff of a Chinese knockoff of a ripoff. Uh, 
just to oh, give you the entire yeah, chain the of how bad like, that is. The Ender 3, I, so I paid 160 for mine, mm-hmm. and the Ender 3 is like 180. Right. Yeah, so so that's that's pretty normal. So so the, but you don't have to put together the Ender three. Oh, so basically, with these these um, these single frame ones like that, like you just have to bolt that upright part on. That's not too bad. Like one thing I will say that that I would love to dive into is uh, you know why is it that my friggin' uh, Z axis keeps unaligning itself? That's pissing me off. You got backlash on your screw. That's part of it. Think so? All screws have backlash, yes, because of the stepper motor. Hmm. You're going to have, whatever the stepper motor backlash is, you're going to have that, and then it's going to be, depending on how you do your print, more or less that times your mechanical advantage. So you should always have, it'll, you know, so if you you put the, um, you have the auto alignment probe on the front of it, right? So, uh, no, not yet. Okay, so that's so, that. So I bought, I bought it there, and I couldn't get it to fit, and the reason is because they sent me the wrong mounting bracket. So I looked into sitting there, like, could, could I go print it? Yeah, I could. Yeah. But I said, fuck it, I'll just so buy another one. you know how to one. zero out, obviously. What's um, that? I said, you know how to zero out at this point, obviously. Yeah. So, so what you do is you, you get it to, you bring it down, and you put a piece of paper underneath it, standard printer paper. And you wait until I've been sliding using hard stock. Wait until sliding a printer paper to the side is just hardly tugging against the tip. I've been using card stock, and that actually looks like it did pretty well. <laughs> I'm sure, like it, it's it's probably gonna be decent either way. I'm just saying, yeah, like that'll the, be the way I got good prints is because uh, I, I have a um, I have a, uh, a uh, hall sensor. To, to just detect when it gets close to the metal base because I have the I have the printer bot simple metal. Yep. And uh, so it'll just detect when it gets close to the metal, but it can move that thing up and down. And so what I did was I got it really well calibrated with that piece of paper and left it in position, and then just you know with the two wrenches I just kind of jiggled it around until I got you know the RCH off of where it needed to be, and I get it so that the light was just flickering where the paper was. Just tugging, uh, just catching the uh, tip, and that that basically got me perfect prints every time after that. I you know, I got uh, it to the I got it to the point where it was aligned so that like half a screw turn uh-huh. on each corner would bring it to the point where it would like collide with the edge and be a little bit tough to pull through, and yeah. then I would move it back it off like half a screw turn from that, and yeah. that would be where I'd go. And that seems to be like it. There's no, it's not as exact as like you read these things online. And everybody's yeah. like, oh, it's this exactly. And you're like, nope. No, well, it's not exactly uh, like that. Yeah. It's close well, enough. You have thermal expansion and all kinds of other shit going on there. That's going to make your, your exact statement exactly wrong. Right. Yeah, that just <clears throat> unfortunately isn't like, quite how it works. So, like, between two different materials, I might recalibrate based off of the kind of temperature difference I'm going to have to deal with. Or I might just have it, I might adjust the, uh, the Z height of the print by a fudge factor um, to make sure that I've, I've compensated for a thermal expansion issue so I don't drag the end of the uh, nozzle across the plate. Hmm. And you always, if you're going to, if for instance, you know, I recommend, even with glass, I'll recommend this just because it, it saves you time with, with uh, prying shit and getting good adhesion. 
you know, you put down a layer of painter's tape, a single single thickness layer, edge to edge, and then you, you uh, use glue stick to get yourself good adhesion. See, you I know, actually... All that stuff I do, I like, I have the paper, I have the tape down before I do the paper thing. I, I will say that I, I read a couple people say get Aquanet, and I can honestly support it. I have, like, it's, I've only gotten one thing I have heard good things about using that spray. It, it is actually, so, so the first oh, thing yeah. that I got off of it is just absolutely beautiful. Some people uh, use that, spray tack, which is That nuts. was when the uh, the heater part pulled out, but you look at the uh, the glass part, it came off cleanly. Uh, it adhered appropriately during the whole entire thing. I, I mean, apparently people are looking for, like, shiny, shiny fucking bottoms for whatever reason, but I, I the hairspray is easy. It takes me maybe three seconds to apply it. And I'm probably not even going to apply it to each and every individual print. Hmm. Oh, that's fair. Now, I've heard that myself. That'd probably be good advice for anybody that happens to be listening that's wanting to get into it, 3D printing for that matter as well. It is, uh, like, the Aquanets, it's like three bucks. You just take your glass panel, you go, sh -sh -sh -sh, and you're done. Now, I have metal, so that I could do that, but it's going to be more problematic. So I got glue sticks. Yeah, I went, uh, I said, fuck it, for 20 bucks, I might as well get the glass. If I don't, I tried doing, I tried doing the painter's tape, and it started, like, not adhering right away, and I was like, all right, screw it. So I had to take the first painter's tape off the thing, because I had, I did a whole phase where I did, like, experimental beard oils, and, uh, they, th that stuff dribbled everywhere. On your I was actually so so more specifically, I wasn't doing experimental beard oils at the time. I was looking for your so you only use a little bit of your essential oils when you're making the beard oil. So I was actually looking to to figure out a, a an appropriately temperatured mix between more expensive ingredients and less expensive ingredients. So I wanted to use coconut oil and uh, olive oil and find out what at what at what mixture do they uh, do they work and then i because i had my window open outside and i happened to be doing this in the late summer early fall as the temperature fluctuations were coming in i found out that beard oil is a little bit of a problem with coconut oil uh, as it solidifies at a much lower temperature all and right. it's all the impurities that solidify and those impurities solidify regardless of whether it's mixed in with anything so you need like an 80 percent olive oil to 20% coconut oil mixture, which is just a shame because it uh, just doesn't have that silky feel. I guess I'll have to take your word for it. I've never used beard oil. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Makes your beard feel oily. I, and and, and as a so. pro tip for anybody at home, when you run out of lube, coconut oil, excellent replacement. Fantastic. <laughs> Works every time. You can buy it in multi-gallon jars, so it's very economical. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it is food-grade. So it that. is food-grade. It is. And, uh, you know, it moisturizes while providing the uh, appropriate level of texture and uh, softness that you need. Well, there you go. So so everyone's got to learn something uh, something new today. That's I, – I, as long as I can help every – if I help one person – achieve climax a week i am a happy person well that's uh, that's a good way to look at it hey you know probably two in the household right well i mean there's 20 subscribers at least one of them has to have it work there you go 
So I've actually got a little bit of other uh, interesting good news that I don't know if you guys heard about this, but uh, I know you would have heard about the original, the uh, guys that had planned to kidnap Whitmer and uh, put her on trial for right. whatever. Right, they got acquitted of terror charges. Or Indeed they did. Or excused of them or whatever. Aww. They will not... Uh, they'll not be facing them anyway. Yeah, they won't be facing well, the terrorism charges. They'll certainly have other things, yeah. like some conspiracy charges and all that. But the well, they'll probably also have uh, guilty of being Trump supporters in Michigan charges. Well, they, uh, not all of them. The, the ringleader apparently <laughs> was an anarchist who hated Trump, but, you know... <laughs> Beyond that. I imagine. <laughs> I imagine that it's actually a lot harder to convict them of these kinds of charges, considering she was charged as being uh, uh, her policy was perceived was actually like ruled as legitimately unconstitutional. Yeah, it was. And you know, it's going to be very difficult if uh, if you argue to argue in court that these people are terrorists when the court kind of sided with their point of view. Yeah. Like, they might have been crazy, but at the end of the day, you have the right to recall your political leaders. That doesn't you have do. to be I mean, you may not want to go vote. through this method. No, it, it, I'm just, just saying that, you know, if I had a couple guys in the van, Andrew Cuomo and I might have a nice little chat. But, you know, I have to say that I would disavow any such things and that you don't have a couple of guys <laughs> so or a van. So, so that's not I. really something yeah. about which uh, any listening handlers need to be concerned. I would find that to be extremely funny in the news, though. I would, too. That would, that would and, no love and I think that we would you know probably be missing a co-host the following week. <laughs> I am just kidding. By the way, for anybody who wants to report me to the FBI, that's okay. So we're I mean, I want to report you to the FBI anyway because I find that hilarious too. Ah. But, I mean, I am actually kind of surprised, and it's kind of sad that uh, yeah. despite the fact that Cuomo did things like murder everybody's grandma. Oh, uh, and murder everybody's kind of autistic cousin too. We've got that one coming up as well recently. And they, oh, in the uh, help homes and all of that shit, where uh, like, oh uh, yeah 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 a bunch of, uh, what is it intellectually disabled autistic people, all that kind of kind of thing. Mentally disabled, and they right. still so, haven't so, so rescinded hold on. Let's, those orders. Let's, they do not like the terms mentally disabled, retarded, or any of the rest. Intellectually, we, we call them we call them journalism majors. That is the you know, correct term. I mean, I, I hear that they like to, they like to be called gamers, but unfortunately, they can't play any. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh going for the spicy of the meatballs. Yeah. Well. Although I have heard also that as a, a form of um, a form of inclusion uh, for diversity's sake, um, all devs are encouraged to include an easy mode called journalism mode. You know, I, I, I believe it. For well, at least a few it. have uh, taken them up on that often. So we can uh, we can thank them for that. And I'm sure all the journalists out there uh, appreciate having uh, the ability to be more of a spectator in an interactive medium. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very impressed even. with uh, 
what's really funny to me is I like I said I came into the whole culture war edge lord thing through gamergate and what surprises me is as much as as much as those of us who were in gamergate mock everybody who says it's just like gamergate I kind of agree with them just on the opposite side of things because we're basically seeing all of the same tactics in the media and from the major major folks who push the whole thing well, they can't come up with anything new. Plus, because the same show is going on well beforehand. For instance, the Game Journal Pros list, that was a model. Yeah, that was an offshoot of, of the Journal list. That was the Journal Pros list. Literally modeled out the same. Hmm. Like, it, so it, if they ever, like, it, and they knew it was a scandal beforehand, too. That was the stupid thing. Is they literally knew this was wrong, and they still did it anyway. Yeah, collusion among uh, media makers. They, they had a kind conversation of the inside the, journal, the Game Journal Pros list about Journal Pros leaks. You know, oh, God, could that happen to us? It's like, well, funny enough, it kind of did, so. Hmm. It is stunning, though. <laughs> and brave. It is stunning and brave. Indeed, it absolutely is. And uh, that's that's our current year. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah. Well, I have to turn in here. Uh, Aw. Like so almost sad. now. Uh, no, it's understandable. It's been a pleasure oh, having you, Oh, it's 12 o'clock. Holy shit. I should probably turn in, too. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, if you guys want, we can just call it an early night on this one and uh, wish everybody a fine evening. We've got a couple of other interesting topics, but yep. nothing really topical that like we have to go over now that we haven't already. So. Well, I can uh, say uh, everybody have a happy, healthy, productive, and wonderful week. And, uh, you know, keep your dick in advice. Absolutely. Oh, my God. I just found a 3D-printed ball clock. My wife is going to kill me, but this is amazing. Print it, put it under her pillow, and don't tell her a fucking thing until she sees it. Absolutely. I, I you know, I've, I've, I've got a whole list of things that have to be made just because I need to, like, try to make my printer not a fire hazard. But but that can be up, like, when's her birthday coming up? Because that's the time to use it. I, uh, yeah, whatever whatever saves yeah. me money. No, that that is... So, so out of curiosity, <laughs> what is the cheapest, is, is ABS or PLA cheaper to print with? PLA. Oh, yeah, absolutely PLA. ABS is good material, but it's a lot more finicky. Yeah, PLA so is, is going to be the smooth ride for you, uh, generally speaking. Or PETG, uh, for that matter. Uh, now, PTC is, it, is okay. Um, is there a cheaper way than buying kilogram rolls on Amazon? Oh, like, yeah, there, there is, but unfortunately it's going to give you a much – it's going to be much more annoying for you. Buy pellets and then extrude them. See, I didn't see that much. I, I did I, a long time ago. I did you a only get up a 25 kilogram bag of PLA pellets. You'll pay one thirtieth the price of a kilogram roll. One thirtieth to one tenth of the price of 25 kilogram rolls. Really? Yeah. How because much it's a huge difference. Because why? Because nobody has a fucking extruder hanging around their home. Yeah, that's yeah, but I I will build. Weird like me. I will build an extruder. Well, there you go. I, I don't uh, imagine. You know, here's what you do. Go onto eBay. I shit you not. 
uh, and look for an Arborg all-rounder. Um, uh, probably a 225 will be what you look for. Uh, those are 35-ton ex um, injection motors. Those would be an injection motor you could use, or just find yourself... What um, are they called? So that, this is an injection motor, mind you. So this is I a mean, bit heavier duty, but so Arborg makes good injection motor uh, injection motors and extruders. And the thing is, their resale value is ridiculous. The one that we had working in our lab when I first got there, that thing was made two years before I was born. And they just they, they sell for $5,000, you know, around there. And you just have to make sure you have the, the hookups in your home. It's usually pickup only. Like, if you can find them and you can go get it, you know, it probably cost you about a quarter to half as much as the thing is actually bought for in order to transit thing. But it's worth it just because it's relatively cheap compared to getting a new extruder or a new injection motor. Yeah, plastic production is actually pretty expensive. People but don't really understand. But it's a it's a heavy uh, a heavy outset. Then once it's there, it's it's done. I mean, yeah. five grand for an injection motor is stupid cheap. Like, I mean, the molds are the expensive part. To be honest here, look, like, I, I I get that, but I imagine that I could get a 1.75 millimeter tip and attach it to a screw. And a heating coil for a lot yeah. less than that. So you see, here's the thing: is I have one of these desktop extruders. I actually, it was. It's funny. It was backed. I backed it on Kickstarter. It was made by a mechanical engineer at UF. So like, I almost knew the damn guy. Uh, and it's basically just an auger bit inside of a pipe with a heater on the end with a pit. Yeah, that's all it should be. Yeah, the problem is it's actually pretty terrible. Um, Oh, see, I'm, I'm a bit of an elitist in this sense in that I actually work with real fucking extruders, and i got to tell you, it's not a real extruder. Uh, and if you want to clean that fucker out, good goddamn luck. Hmm. So basically what that means is, regardless of what you do, you're going to be purging instead of pulling screw and cleaning. So if you want, like, to make serious quantities of filament for yourself. Like, if you're doing just the benchtop stuff, you may as well get one of those little hobbyist things, uh, the desktop extruders. Because they're all going to be, again, the same basic thing, an auger bit inside of a pipe with a, a heater on one end. Oh, and considering a, they're only, like, 98 bucks. Right. But they're going to make sure you filament. And here's the other thing. If any metal gets sent through and you don't see it and you don't clip it out and it gets down into your... Uh, so so why novel. would you why would you have metal going through on Because it's a damn auger bit which is sharp inside of a metal pipe which is probably galvanized and it's rough and so little chips of metal come out. So you have to purge probably a kilogram or two before you get the majority of the metal shards that are gonna form out of the thing. Got it. Yeah, but then you get in the yeah, just saying that the... the now, that said, if you've got a lazer or something and you want to bore your own tube... Yeah, you bore a tube and you ream it, then you're probably good. Hmm. You know, or if you want to spend the money on ordering the parts from, I don't know, shipping master car or something, you could probably do it. Yeah. But then you're spending kind of more money than you wanted to, so... But I, I was going to say here, if you, find, if you go on eBay and you find yourself an old extruder, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go to eBay and check it out myself and see if they even have these things still. Well, I'm see, I, guess, I guess the weird weird part for me is the 
pellets. I, I struggle to believe that the pellet, the bag of twenty it's cheaper. I, I know this like because I have to actually point out it. Like, I, it's it's so cheap. These plastics are so cheap, and they are marked up because people don't have extruders at home, and they don't have the ability to get the kind of tight tolerances that they get uh, with uh, these these uh, bigger extruders. Keep in mind, like, they have a floor space to draw the filament through a water bath, make sure it's under tension, and make sure it's properly lined up, and then to wind it onto one of these wheels for you. All, wow. you know, so that that is a price markup that's, that begins it. But then they add in, like, you know, a 30 or 40% markup in cost, and then on top of that, there's a 20-odd percent that Amazon takes. So by the time you get it, it is way past the cost of the raw plastic. But again, there is there is actual value built in, but a lot of it is inflated cost. Got it. And it's it's largely a it's largely a demand and availability thing because people don't have extruders at home, they and they don't have you know either the expertise or the, the know how or the will to make tight tolerance filament. If you get tight tolerance filament from these people, which is basically what most of this stuff is, you're paying a premium. Well, so. looking uh, real quick right now, I'm seeing yeah. uh, 18 pounds of black pet G for 45 bucks on eBay. So what you do is search for 25 kilograms or 55 pounds. Those are the standard size bags that you will get in the industry of uh, pellets. So I see. So 55 pounds. PLA pellets. Oh, there you go. I see. Uh, and uh, resin is the typical term, not plastic. So PLA, meat resin, or whatever. 55 pound box. Yeah, 50 pounds for 150 plastic. bucks for uh, $12 shipping. Oh, yeah. And cheaper still. So, yeah, I mean, if you uh, really wanted to do it, you absolutely mm-hmm. could for a, for a lot, lot, lot cheaper. Just got to have a handy uh, injection I'm, motor. I am, I am not seeing <laughs> it. 25 yeah. bucks for a kilogram. And you're saying it's one thirtieth the price? I don't know. I'm seeing 50 pounds for 150 bucks. That's uh, that's quite a few kilograms. That's sure. sure, but it's only like 20 bucks for a kilogram spool. So if it's one thirtieth, it should be you know anywhere between a thirtieth and a tenth. Yeah, and I am seeing larger amounts here for like significantly different amounts as well too. So keep in mind, like also I, this is a quick search, so you know actually finding a uh, a good provider. I imagine you can find these things for you. So well. you can get like you could go to RTI and uh, probably have. So RTI is a uh, is a um, is RTI or RTD? I think it's RTI. Uh, they're they're uh, intermediate. Um, they do uh, reformulations and such, and uh, so they'll they'll compound um, large supplier plastics. But they'll they'd be like one of the people to go look at and see what kind of uh, resins they. So I, these people deal, by the way, on large quantity scales. So it's the reason why you're seeing this stuff on eBay is because somebody has a large quantity to sell of these uh, of these polymers um, or these these resins. 
I mean, I'm seeing it for basically as little as about a dollar a pound. Yeah, that's that's about right. See, I could see that, but that's not one thirtieth. That's price. still like, that's still a markup. Yeah, this is on eBay too. So I mean, obviously, there's going to be a markup if uh, somebody was dealing directly with a yeah. supplier. It would be a different matter. Like finding spectrum finding, these days. Finding like anywhere between 150 to 240 bucks a pound, and if I was to make like let's say it's a 25 kilogram bag, and one kilogram costs 20 bucks, that would be like my assumption would be that I would be looking at like 500 bucks. Oh yeah, no, it's at like that, half at the that price. thing you're paying almost the same price. That's not worth it. No, you right. So, so it's like a quarter deals. of the price. It's maybe right. maybe maybe a quarter of the price. Not not one twenty fifth price. So, context on this, and I'm fine with being wrong. The very anywhere between one thirtieth and one tenth of the price thing comes from as much as five years ago. Well, I mean, it, it would still be cheaper. So I got to figure out a way to actually get an extruder, like a real extruder that works. Yeah, so screws are the expensive part because they have to be specially machined. But if you're if you're just dealing with like an auger bit and a pipe, like you can. So here's the thing: the auger bit and pipe method is um, it's probably gonna it's your cheapest way to do it, and it's not gonna give you the worst results in the world, but it's not gonna give you great results for consistency and diameter. So if you're printing something that doesn't need high precision, then you can use that filament pretty easily. Um, you just have to make sure that when you do the take up on it, it's consistent uh, and gives you a, a size that um, is going to feed into your printer okay. And you, so take, get out your calipers or your micrometer and, and go down and get yourself a decent average for the length. Uh, or, or chop it up into bits where you have an idea of, uh, of kind of different diameters, you know, several meters uh, sections of different diameters. Just as a general rule, if you're going to do a print, you should also use a calipers to get an idea of the diameter of your material before you do the slicing anyway. Uh, it'll give you a certain number of meters. You have that many meters out of your spool, you know, or you have an idea of what your spool's um, diameter so This is the idea behind the high-precision stuff. You're not supposed to have to do that, uh, but, but you do. Yeah, that is actually a whole other concern. Make sure you've got enough material for the thing you're about to print. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> like, that's, uh, just thinking so about like it, I've, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that run into that just... Thinking. I've gotten to, uh, like, 30 hours in on a 37-hour print before and uh, and found out that it was out of uh, out of TPU, and that was a shitty day. <laughs> I was com- that wasn't just, like, my spool ran out. Like, I was completely fucking out. Ah, uh, darn. Oh, man. That's, uh, that's a son of a bitch. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, I forgot to order this shit last week. Why would you use TPU? Uh, because it's it's thermoplastic polyurethane and it's a rubbery material. Oh, you can't so you can play with that? Yeah. So so polyurethanes in general are rubbery elastomers and usually they're cross-linked like say your Gorilla Glue stuff. Um, and that stuff will not, it's not thermoplastic meaning you can't like extrude it because it won't slide past itself. It's all cross-linked in a 3D matrix. But the, the TPUs are, thermo, are truly thermoplastically processable. And uh, so that you can extrude them very easily. It's basically, um, it's extrudable rubber. 
but it, it's it's rubbery. It's not like actual rubber. But you can make stuff like squeeze. You can make like so. I made a couple of these these like squeezable low poly uh, low poly um, Pikachu's and and other Pokemon for uh, for the the nephews and nieces. So oh, fuck cool. around with. Yeah, so like, you can make little squeeze dolls, and you can make like wallets and stuff. Um, you can make a, a functional 3D printed wallet. Yeah, I'm thinking that'll actually be kind of useful for some of the things I'd like to try as well. And but you can also else. do multi-stage prints where you have certain <coughs> parts that are printed in TPU and certain parts that are printed in other things. Or if you have a dual nozzle or a dual extruder setup, then you can use a, a PLA and TPU. They'll, they're pretty good at bonding. Yeah, uh, you can... PLA or ABS and P- TPU is also pretty good. I don't know so, about PETG, but I think I imagine it would be fine. So I have successfully printed my first part. Yeah, congratulations. It's not bad. It's not bad. I've heard a lot of criticism. Well, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, and you look at the bottom, and it's kind of messy. Like, the first layer is kind of messy. The rest of it actually, like, I mean, does what it what it says it's going to do. But it's not, like, perfect edges and whatnot. Now, that that could also be because, you know, like I said, where um, I don't have the blower fan working properly. Well, okay. you're one part closer to having it working the way you want it to. That's exactly right. And I'm about to rotate the blower fan back into position, reset the hot end, and have a go at it again. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, luckily, the kit that I got came with the uh, <clears throat> the fan redirectors already 3D printed. So. There is there is a very good chance the kit that I got also came with a fan redirector, and I either a- broke it and or lost it. Ah. That's, that's a significantly higher likelihood, but I will blame China because who doesn't want it? <laughs> oh, and you know what? While we're on the topic and before we close out for the night, I'll share a useful tip that I've learned that uh, I use, um, honestly, in a lot of my model making. Methyl ethyl ketones. They no. are uh, they are methyl good. Methyl ethyl death. Yes. Or methyl ethyl kill you, as the EHS guy at the yeah. would say. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. That stuff is super dangerous. It's in, like, everything if you want to deal with plastics, but it's super dangerous. <laughs> yeah, keep it well sealed if you're using it. Keep it well ventilated. But that said, most plastics, it's uh, really, really good at bonding. You can hit the outside of a uh, print with, uh, like, if you've got something small and you want it to be just a lot more sturdy, a quick dunk in there is going to melt and refuse your entire outer shell. So if you're doing something that's going to be a wear part, that might be worthwhile. If it Now, of course, that's also going to kill any of your... Uh, what should I say, uh, precision parts. But, you know, uh, say you're trying to make a lower or something like that, or an upper, since that might be what they're looking at changing things into. You know, this might be a worthwhile process for you. All right. And I get to go write in my M303 code again. I'm very excited about this. But there is one other thing you can do with that, too. Uh, if you feel so inclined as to make a completely enclosed area, you can uh, put it on a temperature-controlled heating pad to get it to uh, evaporate, and then you can actually get a really nice, really smooth effect on your prints. But 
that's a lot of work and kind of not worth it. So if you really do want to do that, go out and just do like a Google search for uh, print smoothing, and they sell these things. You can just buy them. So out of curiosity, if I didn't want to reprint my blower, what is the what is the uh, the likely impact of not printing for, with a, an actual blower? Uh, you're going to have some real heat issues, so you'll probably be dealing with stringing. Define define heat issues. Uh, it won't be adequately controlled and contained. Craig would have to tell you more because I just don't have the experience, but just from my mechanical understanding of it, that's the case. Hmm. Melty bits. Yeah, pretty much. It's going to be a little bit more melty and stringy than you'd probably want it to be because the temperature isn't staying exactly where it needs to. All right. Well, that's all right. So I hope that's been helpful for you, and I hope that's helpful oh, for anybody is, that's still this listening at fantastic. this uh, late hour. And also, congrats on the first print, man. I, yeah, I hope yeah. to have mine in the next few days or maybe by the weekend. And for anybody that listened this long, I'll share you all a, an interesting thing. We'd all, we've uh, talked a fair degree about the vaccines. I'm actually going to go out and get the vaccine that is a vaccine. I'm going to get the uh, Janssen one from Johnson & Johnson. And uh, I'll keep everybody up to date, let you know if I develop any new autisms or superpowers. I will, uh, I will hold out as long as uh, I can. I will honestly say that I am really, uh, you know, A, I, I'm safety concerns, all that there. I'm willing to take the risk of the disease versus untested products. But at the same time, I am going to fight the goddamn good fight that there is to fight against the application that will be transmitting my medical data to people I don't authorize. Oh, yeah. these, these vaccine passports, they're an absolute fucking nightmare. I. I'm not really going to share any of that shit with anybody else. I, you know, it's just the few people yeah. that want to listen all the way to the end of this, which, you know, it would be a shitload of people. But, I mean, if I go to a place I, and they're going to be specific about it, I'm honestly not going to frequent any business that requires vaccines. I, they're cut off from me. They're dead to me. That's actually place. a good idea. That's a good idea, regardless of whether you get it or not. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, listen, no, you, you stand for something I don't stand for, I'm I'm not going to give you my business. I don't want to think no, that I'm going to co-sign the bullshit. A fair, a fair point. You know, whether you do but, or you don't, it's like you can't you can't stand for this shit. You know, your rights are a muscle. you got to flex them or, you're, uh, or they wither away. Yep. So I think that's actually a, a pretty wily end and an important thing for folks to remember, too. So uh, Craig's gone because, you know, he had to go and deal with some stuff. So look him up at CraigBob99. Look me up at that fake guy, Dan pretty much everywhere, and you can look up uh, Steve here at Ratman720, but you might not actually catch him. That's correct. So everybody, be good, be safe, keep your powder dry, keep your filament dry, and we'll talk to you again soon. Oh, I almost hit the wrong button. That would have been terrible. Later, people. <laughs>